Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 31 of Thought Revolution, and we're finishing up our series here. Um, the last couple podcasts, we've been focusing on the new manager and how to establish management. And so um, in episode 29, we talked about the first 30 days, your first month, and how to come in with a plan. And we really talked about three things that are really important in those first 30 days, which is assessing for the pains, assessing the people, and then assessing the culture. Because this is really about getting into deep learning and about the transition of moving from individual contributor or maybe even somebody who wasn't even on the team. Let's say you're just a, a seasoned manager, but you're coming into a team and having a concrete plan for your first 30 days to now get results through people as opposed to through yourself. So um, we outlined that. And then in episode 30, we talked about the next 30 days or your second month. And here the focus is on a system. We assess the pain, the people, and the culture because two systems that we're building in these next 30 days or your second month of being in the management role is the system to drive culture and your system to manage daily operations. And those two systems are really important because what typically I find to be the case is that people will establish management routines. And those management routines are typically based on managing people. And it seems obvious to do that because that's who you're managing. And yet what is missing are the management routines to manage the process because it's the process that people engage in. I think you need to make sure that you manage the people because that's who's bringing you the issues. But what I think we tend to forget is that the majority, the majority of the issues that folks deal with tend to be based on the processes. And so this is really important because um, if you don't have a system to drive culture, you might be improving your team building and your sense of togetherness, but you might not be driving the culture that you want. And culture is really important because it is what sets you up to either drive performance or it sets you up to be super adaptable in the face of constant change. And in today's knowledge economy, you know, it used to be that you can just focus on beginning to, you know, um, begin to standardize processes. And that's just not the case anymore. In most of our industries, you can find some core processes to standardize. And I think that that's really important. But what you need is a way to begin to deal with the simultaneous and um, creation-based processes that are out there. So you need a way to manage the process of managing the work. So that's really what driving culture is about and managing daily operations um, is a routine to create reliability in the face of variation. So that's that's the second month that you're focused in is making sure that those things are happening. And they're connected to the first month because you're wanting to understand what are the biggest pains to be able to drive your, um, your system for daily operations because you don't want to just create a system out of um, nothing or in vacuum. The system should be designed not just to move performance but to solve for pains. So that's why you do pain. People is who's going to support you around this, those who are your early adopters. And then culture is what is the culture that's currently supporting the performance and what's missing. So I hope I did a good job of trying to tie the first and second month together. And if you haven't yet, listen to episode 29, episode 30, um, and I start to lay both of those things out because what you're beginning to hear in these episodes is how we're going about in a really different kind of management program um, that we're offering uh, leaders today. 
because what I'm tending to see is that management training um, starts and stops there. So first of all, most managers don't get training. And if they do, it's topic-based um, or it's relational-based. They're, they're focused on managing people. And the majority of the problems that people experience has to do with their inability to have the right tools to do the job, to work together, or to understand like what's actually supposed to be happening um, in their work because it's a process. And so that's why I focus so much on it. The process creates so much more tension for folks. If there's tension, it exacerbates it. If it wasn't tension, it creates it. And so you end up focusing so much on relationships, um, which I think is important, but you're actually working through the symptom. And the root is how um, folks are being able to deal with what's being asked of them. So that's why managing operations um, and creating reliable ways to do that is so important. Our last 30 days, your third month on the job, um, is going to be a focus now on performance. Where the first month is learning about the pain, the people, and the culture. The second month is about beginning to drive the culture and the operations. You're just stabilizing, making sure that people have what they need. They understand um, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. You're beginning to solve for pain so that folks can begin to engage. The third month is about now moving performance. And I think that's super important because sometimes you're going to walk in the door and performance is the number one thing. And performance is always on people's minds because they want to do right. But performance tends to be even more important to those who are making decisions. Um, you know, and if you're in a hierarchical organization, which most of us are, those are your senior directors, your VPs. It's the wrong place to start because you haven't captured the hearts and the minds of your team yet. And the hearts and the minds of your team are either um, – expressed through their ability to improve their work or it's constrained because they're dealing with pains. So that's why we focus so much on the first two months on those two things because um, it's not like it's start and end and be done. It's you're learning how to engage in an iterative loop, an ongoing continuous loop of understanding pains and solving for pains, right? Because those are the things that get in the way of people being able to self-express and do so much. I've been with so many teams and every time I come across teams and I ask them like, you know, tell me about the, the pains you're dealing with and they'll give me almost very similar pains. Tell me about the impact it has. You know, it's always the same thing. People are burned out. They feel isolated. Tell me how things should be operating. You hear some similar things about transparency, about connection and what difference would it make for you? And they always come back to talking about like they would, they would give more because they're excited about their work. And so to me, it tells me that there's productivity that's hidden because we haven't solved for pains. So as we enter into creating now a system for performance, it must exist. It needs to exist. It just comes after you've begun to really get at what's important to your people um, because now the performance is the expression of their ability to do their best work and it's the expression of them being able to operate in systems that allow them to do their best work. And so um, a couple things here. When we think about this, there are four breakdowns that occur in almost every team that gets in the way of teams being able to do their best work. This is about daily operations. I'm just going to pause here for a moment and make sure you hear them. You know, the biggest breakdowns tend to be that people can't see the work. So they have no idea how much work is there, um, who owns the work, um, where it's being sucked. They can't see the work move. That's the second breakdown. So they're not quite sure how work is progressing. Maybe one person knows how their work's progressing, but other folks on the team can't see it or other folks waiting for the work can't see it or the managers who are trying to understand what's happening and are dealing with issues and now have to come back and ask you questions can't see it. So it creates all of this hidden work that um, plays itself out through um, questions, through shifting priorities, through um, excessive emails, people looking, searching, finding answers that they have to now respond to. And it just creates um, a ton of extra work that gets in the way of you being able to improve your, your throughput and capacity. The third breakdown is that people can't see the obstacles. 
they might know the obstacles there, but they're dealing with it themselves or they're hidden or um, not everybody understands what they are. And so they can't work together as a team to remove the obstacles because the majority of the obstacles that we deal with at work tend to be complex or systemic. In other words, if one person's dealing with it, nine times out of 10, uh, other people are too. And the problem is that we deal with them on our own. And then we have a whole bunch of variation in terms of how we're all dealing with them instead of taking a common cause approach. And then last but not least, the final breakdown is that nobody owns the process. And that can look two different ways. Either nobody owns the process to do, you know, X, like nobody owns the intake process, so to speak, um, you know, whatever the process might be, the, the, the invoicing process, um, or, and, and this is even more uh, likely to be the case, which is why I focus so much on, you know, building strong managers. Nobody owns the process to manage the work. So nobody's taking a look at the whole. Some people might understand and see it through anecdote, but no one's really got a process to manage the process. So that's why those first two months are so important. But then we get into performance, and then we find that there is a different set of breakdowns because once you've solved for those four breakdowns, you're beginning to show the work and the pains, see the work and the pains move, see the issues and the obstacles so you can begin to solve for them um, and deal with all the unplanned work and unknown dependencies. And now you've got somebody who owns a system to manage the process, right, which is typically like your leads, your supervisors, your managers. Now we need to get into like why are we struggling with our performance? So that's going to be the focus for us here. So I want to make sure I really start to call out what these breakdowns look like for us and I'm really curious if you can relate to them. All right, so let's just jump into these. Um, over and over again, teams that struggle to meet their goals tend to experience four common breakdowns. Breakdown number one, this is about performance now, not about operations, performance. Managers and work teams don't know the goal. Um, according to Franklin Covey, about 15% of employees typically know their organization's strategic goals. I mean, that's, that's, I find that to be the case when I sit with teams and I ask them, so what are your goals? You know, people are like, oh, we know what they are. And then I ask, please tell me what they are. And folks don't really know. And maybe somebody can tell me to go to a SharePoint site somewhere to look them up, but they're not at top of mind for folks. And the reason this is the case is because there either are no goals, which sometimes happens. Um, there are too many goals, which is usually the case. There are, you know, like five, 10, 15, I think I've seen as many as 22 goals. This is organization-wide, by the way, not just like, you know, a work team. So there are too many goals or they're, they're really, um, they're ambiguous. There's really poor translation of the goal. So folks don't quite understand what the goal is. Like the goal is worded in like a paragraph. Um, and so it's just really hard to keep on mind. And, and so over and over again, they don't know what the goal is. So you can see the second breakdown coming. So typically the manager and team, they don't know what to do to achieve the goal. Um, they think that the way to achieve the goal is to do the work, but that's not really it. Because if you don't know the goal, you won't know the plan. And the reason I say that is because typically 20% of our activity drives 80% of our performance. So the, the real key here is I'm listening for, do the teams know very clearly what their goal is and is it meaningful to them? Do they have a small number between one to three that are really driving what they're trying to achieve? And then two, do they know what to do to achieve it? Like what are the key things they're looking at? And there's usually what we call lead measures. Um, and these lead measures they have two qualities. They're predictive and they're influenceable. So the teams really understand what are the key things that help them understand if they're going to reach their outcome or not. That's missing for folks. Three, teams typically, they don't know the score. So they're either waiting for someone to send them some data at the end of every month or they're waiting for the manager to maybe tell them how they're doing. But teams themselves aren't necessarily tracking their performance to goal. And last but not least, you know, surprise, surprise, um, it feels like no one's held accountable. And so what's the point? So if they don't know what the goal is, they don't know what the plan is, maybe every now and then they meet and talk about the, the, the score, but they don't really know, like, 
you know, how they're influencing it or they might brainstorm ways to impact it. No one really held, is held accountable. Like they might have like their own personal goal and they might have meetings to talk about how they're progressing around the personal goal, but there aren't any team meetings to talk about what they're doing to start winning um, around the goal that they set for themselves because they know that it's going to make a difference for, you know, other people out there because they really believe in what their team does and their product or their service. So those four breakdowns swirl over and over and over again. And it's interesting because those breakdowns exist within this context. And the context here is between the mountain of work that teams already have to do, the day-to-day, and and the nature of that work, right? The day-to-day work, it brings with it a ton of distractions. It brings with it a ton of urgency. And the nature of that work is that it acts on you. In other words, you don't have to do anything. You're going to get emails, calls, requests, texts, IMs. It's going to come your way, and it's going to interrupt your work, and it's going to create unseen work for you to, you know, um, engage in. It's going to provide issues and problems for you to have to figure out. And that is already there. And then when you add goal work into it, which is really important, it's about growth. It's about, you know, um, being able to scale whatever that is for your team's contribution to the organization. That work is different because that work is important, but you have to act on it. That core work requires that you carve out the time and you are responsible for creating a space where there's no interruption. Now, these two exist together, but they do not like each other and they do not get along at all. And so when push comes to shove, this day-to-day urgent stuff always um, trumps the important stuff. And when the urgent and the important collide, the urgent's going to win every single time. And I think that's really important because why why that matters is that when managers are beginning to look at performance, um, a lot of times they think, you know what, we just need strong process or we need like really awesome, you know, teammates. And I can't stress the importance of finding strong talent. Um, And um, one of the biggest contributors inside of this is that it's not that people don't know how to achieve goals. They just don't know how to do it in the midst of the daily urgency. It's hard. We, it's something that we're not used to, especially when you're on um, a team in an organization and you're not quite sure where your sphere of influence um, ends and somebody else's starts and how to collaborate and do that because you're already super busy. So these breakdowns contribute to poor execution and poor performance over and over and over again. So when we're engaging in that third month with a manager, what we're teaching them to do is make sure that they've got some clarity around a few things. So there are four things that we teach them around building a system to really drive performance. It makes a big difference. And it's going to do two things. It's going to drive performance and or, and I think the second one is just as important, it's going to teach you about your business because there's so much that we just don't understand. And why this is important is because we get stuck with problems and we don't quite understand how to solve them and or um, the business environment keeps changing and we don't really have a clue as to how to keep up with it. So that's why this is, I think learning about your business is almost more important um, than being able to achieve a goal. Like I'm a bigger believer in using compasses than bullseyes. And so you have to have a system that's more of a compass that helps guide like where you're supposed to go. So the four aspects of this system, I'm going to break down with you right now so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. The first aspect of the system in this third month is to focus on the breakthrough. So what we actually ask managers to do is really think about or find out from their superiors, what are the the one to three most important goals that this team needs to achieve? You can't have more than three. And if you have more than three, then we have a coaching conversation up the organization. And that's, that's a bigger thing all over, you know, that's, it's typically when we go in and we work with organizations or enterprises, that's the bigger conversation. But even at the department level, we don't want more than one to three breakthrough goals because your team is going to have something that they're working on that's breakthrough, that's that's bigger than just the team. And they're also going to have their own operational goal to maintain some things. So you don't want too many goals. So one to three 
What are the most important things that if you were to achieve them, they were going to have an impact across your entire um, operations? So it's getting clear on that. And then we make sure that they're worded in a way that people can understand. So you should should have one to three so that you have enough goals that people can remember. And they should be worded in a way where it sounds something like verb noun from X to Y by when, right? So increase revenue from, you know, 100 bucks to 200 bucks um, by December 31st lousy goal but um improve safety you know and improve the safety rate you know from you know um 80 percent to 90 percent um in you know some kind of reduction um by december 31st so we're stating it in that way because we're clarifying the action that needs to be taken increase revenue decrease um you know safety incidents improve productivity whatever that is from x to y is really important because what we're doing for the team and everybody is being really clear what our starting point is because usually it's fuzzy. So we're aligning on the starting point and we're aligning on how we're going to measure the starting point. And then from X to Y, where we're going to get to by when. Because a lot of teams will just set a target like, hey, we need a productivity of you know this percent or we need to improve revenue by this much. But they don't even know the starting point. And by the time they begin thinking about how to measure it, they're like, oh. <laughs> so that's what we're trying to make sure we're teaching managers from the start teaching them how to create gaps, which I think is really important because eventually when we get into problem solving, they're going to begin to learn how I set up a successful gap. And a gap is always what your current situation is and what it is you're trying to get to. That's a created gap as opposed to what are you trying to achieve and where are you actually at? And if you're performing below performance, that's a caused gap, totally something different. Okay. The second part of the system. So we've established that with managers and they're beginning to learn like, okay, here's how I would frame it. Um, now, how do we begin to leverage what we call the lead? We want them to manage the lead because this is the place that we want the manager to really own and lead our lead measures. So what we learn is that typically um, when people have goals, they're looking at their outcomes or their lag measures and an outcome tells you how you performed out as a result or the outcome of the performance of the game, it, a lag measure, is, they're the same thing. A lag measure tells you how you performed after um, the performance is over. So it lags. So I don't know how fast I ran until after I'm done with the race. I don't know how many um, safety incidents I had until after the week is over, right? Um, I don't know, um, you know, how I'm performing in terms of improving reading levels with the classroom until after like a couple weeks or a quarter. Those are outcome or lag measures. They're great because they tell you what the game is that you're trying to play and they create something that's definable, but those are good for the breakthrough goal. What we need are lead measures. They're different. They're also metrics, but they tell us two things. They tell us if we're in, if we're trending in the direction of meeting our outcome or lag measure. So they, they're telling us if we're leading in the right direction. Um, so they're predictive. And secondly, they're influenceable. And this is the part that I think eight or nine out of um, 10 managers that I work with, they don't get. So a, a really bad lead measure or a process measure um, is one that you can't influence. So the one that, so this is why this is so important. A, it's to understand that this exists and B, it becomes the work of the manager and the team to figure out like, well, what is that? What what are the 20% of things that we could do that would really drive 80% of our results? And because this is so new to so many managers, I think it's so killer for them to get anchored in because they might take a few weeks to really figure out what those things are. But once they do, then that's where they go to work and trying to understand like, okay, you know, what's really going to move the needle here? 
is us focusing on, um, you know, making sure that everybody's wearing their protective gear or making sure that we're spending 90 minutes a week um, doing in-class reading time that's going to drive, you know, reading levels um, that's going to impact, you know, our safety levels. So they're beginning to see what the behaviors are that's going to drive the performance. And that um, not only is um, important to be able to get the right performance, but that is the skill set for managers to learn and teach their teams um, to learn how to actually move the needle on things. Because now they can actually begin to take a different kind of approach. If they're not moving the needle, they can answer the question, what's getting in the way of us being able to make sure that we're wearing our protective gear? What's getting in the way of us making sure that we're having in-class reading time? Why that's so important is because that's in the sphere of influence of the manager and the team to begin to troubleshoot. And so that's why it you're bringing your goal close to you so that every single week you can really begin to answer the question, not only are we moving the needle, but what are the obstacles that we can address? It brings power to the team and it's teaching that manager how to do that. You're managing people in a different kind of way and you're managing performance from a different kind of place. So once you've got a really clear set of what the goals are, there shouldn't be more than three, you've defined them in a way where you know, you know your X to Y by when, and now you've got a lead measure for each one of your goals that you now can influence and take a look at every single week. The third thing then that we're beginning to teach them, because these set up your system, is how to begin to visualize it. So how do you begin to track these lead measures? And we teach folks how to create scoreboards. Now, dashboards really just show you at a high level what the outcome or lag measures are and what the status is. Scoreboards live at the team level. They're created by the team and they're for the team and they typically show you what you know the, the outcome measure is that you're shooting for, but they're really showing you more prominently what the lead measures are that the team believes in that they think is going to drive the performance and that the those lead measures what those are that um, they're having either success at being able to achieve or struggles being able to achieve because then that can drive the problem solving um, so that's the next piece here is beginning to create a place I don't care if it's virtual um, or it's on a wall as long as it shows them what it is and it's accessible and everyone can see it and they they're able to all be able to um, understand their role in it because the last part of this system then is what we call committing to accountability. And you can start to hear that these four pieces address the four issues, right? People didn't know the goals, so we're focusing on the goals. Um, they didn't know what to do to achieve the goals, so we're creating lead measures for them to understand how they're going to push it. They didn't know how they're progressing a goal because they're waiting for somebody else. And now we've got scoreboards that they control. They, nobody else updates the scoreboard but them, and they can see because the, the lead measures are something that they control, how well they're progressing and whether or not the lead measures are pushing the lag measures, whether or not they're having an impact on the outcome. Committing to accountability is about bringing your team together and you're really doing, you know, um, you're creating reliability in their um, their experience to begin to impact this. So it's a meeting. It happens once a week, same day, same time. It lasts no more than 20 minutes and you're walking through three questions. What did we commit to do last week? And these commitments are really important because people don't have a lot of time. So there may be you know, something they've committed to spend maybe 30 minutes to an hour on trying to move the lead measure. The second thing that they're looking at then is what were our outcomes? Um, what, what did we do with our lead measures? Did they achieve what they wanted to or not? And then last, what are we making a commitment around for next week? And what's really cool about this is these commitments, you're getting to teach your team how to actually create strong commitments. So a strong commitment is something that's it's specific and it's deliverable based. The teams are learning how to, you know, not just say, you know what, next week I'm going to commit to making sure I wear my boots. 
the commitment might be if it's a safety-based commitment. I'm going to make sure that um, before people get on the worksite that I'm going to do a quick spot check or I'm going to commit to having an accountability partner and making sure that each of us spot check ourselves before we go out there. Um, I'm going to commit to making sure that um, we have an extra pair of boots here in case somebody forgets them. I'm going to commit to making sure that um, all of us have a checklist in front of us and we all run through our checklist before we start the day, right? So those are specific behaviors that I think are really important that drive the lead measure of, you know, the goal here for us is that 90% of the team is wearing their boots, you know, every single day um, because that's one of the biggest contributors to a lot of our incident rates, for example. I'm making that up. And if you think about how all of this works together, instead of trying to remember a fuzzy goal that's somewhere out there that you may or may not look at, Instead, we're working backwards, and what we're having people do is focus on their commitment, and their commitment that they're focusing on every single week is something small but something impactful that is driving a lead measure. And so the lead measure is there that the team owns, the team has chosen that's meaningful, that they believe they can begin to impact and have power around. And if they're struggling to meet it, they have power to work on the obstacles which become part of their commitments. And, and they're tracking these lead measures, and they're visible in their world because they're trying to impact the overall goal. So instead of worrying about the goal, we're worried about the commitments and the lead measures. And it's a totally different place to manage from because you're really learning a lot about your business, what drives your business, what's getting in the way of you being able to move performance. And those lead measures, by the way, like I'm not going to go too deep into this um, this system. We call it the four keys of strategy execution or goal execution. But And there's another podcast around this. I think it's podcast number five. Um, but these, um, these, these keys are designed for folks and these lead measures are designed for you to continuously ask the question, is this the right behavior? Is this the right lead measure? Because what I find is that teams will find a lead measure and like every six to eight weeks or so, those lead measures might change because they've hardwired behavior or they found that there's something else that drives it just a little bit better. So the team is really learning what those 20% of activities are that drives 80% of their results. And what's awesome is you think about like how these all build together. Now you've got a way to also begin driving your culture. If the culture that you want is a culture of accountability, now you're beginning to define like what that culture looks like. You're defining the behaviors and you're leveraging this system of bringing people together and looking at what they're attempting to drive home some of those behaviors. And, and, and just to pull all this together, I want you to understand now, um, as I've described this, you know, at the end of 90 days, what you've really created. Because we started in month one as a newbie into this team, assessing the pains of people in the culture. And then in the second month, you've started to set up a way to drive your culture and understand the pains that people are dealing with by beginning to manage the process of managing the work. And so now you're having people talk about what their work is for the day, how it's moving forward, what's getting in their way, um, beginning to manage issues in a really visible way. And there's a, there's a cadence to it, right? It happens every day. It happens two times a day. It happens three times a week, whatever the cadence is for you. And now you're adding in one more cadence into this. And again, remember, this is team-based. This isn't one-on-ones. This isn't staff meeting. This is team-based um, problem-solving where folks are coming together. You're creating a reliable structure for them to come together to see and solve the problems. And part of the problem here is what's getting in the way of us being able to be successful with what we need to do our best work. That's operations. And then part of the problem here is what's getting, what is it that we're trying to move the needle around? What do we say we would do? And what's getting in the way of us being able to do that? That's performance. So you've got this fantastic cadence, if you will, of maybe you're meeting every single day or maybe you're meeting Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays to take a look at your operations. And then once a week, maybe it's like every Tuesday, you're looking at your performance to see how well you're doing. 
and now folks know that there's reliable places to show up and there's a reliable place where they're going to be expected to be able to think about um, how to keep moving forward. And you're beginning to set up continuous alignment and accountability. And these structures are places where you can drive the behaviors that you want to see. These are the places where you can begin to um, allow your team members to engage in um, a new kind of problem solving. And this is the place where I believe after the 90 days, um, and, and I wouldn't wait this long, but you know, even more so, where you really launch into them the people side of leadership, which is how effective um, can you be now at delegating because you're beginning to see the issues. So how do you begin to delegate? How do you begin to um, manage conflict? How do you begin to communicate effectively? How do you begin to think through what kind of leadership style you need to engage in? Um, how do you begin to um, coach effectively? Because now you've got structures to coach from. So it's pretty killer because now you've established your management. You don't have these, you might still have like your one-on-ones, but you don't have just one-on-ones where you're just meeting with people one-off to deal with issues and um, their personal stuff. You've got team-based structures to continuously figure out how to work together. And I think that's the difference here that allows your next 30 or your next, I'm sorry, three months to, um, to act as a platform to improve your systems, but really grow your own personal leadership and your personal effectiveness. So it's pretty cool. I'm excited about it because this kind of leadership program, I don't see existing anywhere. I see, I see bite-sized trainings. I see coaching here and there. I see you know offsite trainings. But what I'm describing here is one-on-one system building with managers, so that they are actually building what there is that they need to lead a team from. Because I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated when I think about what there wasn't for me, and I'm frustrated by what there currently isn't for folks. And that's why um, I've moved away from just doing trainings and consulting to really repackaging what we're up to and really creating programs. Because when I take a look out there and I answer the question, who is creating systems to drive culture? I don't mean like who's got tools that might affect culture, but who's building systems to drive culture? Most training houses, consultancies, they don't they don't do that. And when I think about who's out there teaching managers how to manage their daily operations, most most folks, they don't they don't have that. They're either focusing on managing the relationship um, or they're managing the daily issues. And I'm really more interested in them being able to manage the process because when that manager leaves, if you think about the legacy of the organization, if that manager leaves, two things are going to happen. One is that manager is going to know how to set up those operations somewhere else. Huge. And two, you can guarantee that the next person who comes in isn't just going to bring in their own brand of uh, management. The organization now has a way to be able to say, this is how we set up our management. And they're going to be teaching that manager how to do that. And last but not least, I don't see people teaching managers how to manage performance. They tend to manage people um, or they manage outcomes. And, and that's different because oftentimes managers don't really know because they're, they're managing systems. And so they don't know what the most important things are to, to move the lever. Like that's asking like, what's the most important part of a bicycle or the human body? Like it's just, you don't really have an answer for them because they're systems. So you have to teach managers how to create a system to understand their system because it's going to be very contextual. So um, I just think that having structures to leave from makes a big difference. And though as you think about all this together, you've got your first 30 days, you know, you've got your second month, you've got your third month, and now you've got a manager who's in a prime position to really lead. And I got to tell you, having done this with managers, to me, like this is exciting. And the reason it's exciting is because I get to see firsthand managers who I've worked with who have had some of like the worst engagement scores in their organization. 
have them get some of the most impressive engagement scores, having worked with managers who have some of the biggest backlogs and low morale, and having them establish over the three months um, almost a diminished backlog and great engagement. And, you know, in the past, some of these managers would have opted for, in fact, when I was brought in, in some of these cases, I was brought in to improve a process. And I was like, no, 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 there's something else here at play. I'll improve a process with you later, but let's do this first. And, um, you know, folks don't quite understand that you don't just have to improve the process or you don't have to go through conflict management or you don't have to have big team building retreats, right? Some of that still may be the case because there might be some hurt there that needs to be figured out. But what tends to be missing at the root of things is there isn't um, reliable management structures to manage the processes and because these breakdowns are occurring and no one's acknowledged the breakdowns. So that's why I'm super excited because this is the future of us getting managers, the support that they need to be as effective as possible so that they can begin creating the value that they really know that they can create. All right. So that's that's my thought for the day. I've taken you through my first three months. There's more to say. Um, I'm going to exit the series now, but I'm excited to have shared all of this with you because I know that you all wake up wanting to make a difference and it feels like all you spend your time doing is making it work. And every now and then, you know that you've done something powerful. You trust it. You trust who you are and what you do. And I just want you to expand on that uh, because you know what? It's possible. This isn't like, you know, magic this isn't hocus pocus. This isn't like if you try this, then maybe it'll work like this has been proven. Uh, and so I'm excited for you all to begin to take this work out there. So with that, we're going to start a new series coming up here in the next few weeks. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please, um, you know, go ahead. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Please leave me a rating. I know it might take you like a full minute, but I would love to see what you have to say about this. And I hope you share this with other folks and I'll see you guys next week.